Hey folks, welcome back to the 10K Collective Podcast, the place to be for six, seven and eight figure Amazon private label sellers. Today we are in the middle of a discussion with Josh Dietrich of brandedseller.com. He's just written a book called Aggregator Navigator and that's coming out very, very soon. If you want to get hold of the book, you can go to brandedseller.com forward slash landing, L-A-N-D-I-N-G. And that will be available from January as well. So in the meantime, today, we're going to talk about a really important topic that's come up organically, really, as part of the discussion. If you're going to spend time on high leverage activities, like getting an extra million dollars business value for a business you're selling, assuming it's already worth a few million, how are you going to be in a position to do that? Well, you're going to have to delegate some of the operational day-to-day tasks so buy yourself the time to work on the high leverage, high impact tasks. And that is, we're going to discuss today with Josh exactly how he has gone about that and how you can do the same in your business. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven and eight figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, part of the amazing FBA podcast family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven figure exit and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Looking to increase your online sales? Join Ecom Events at one of their four events throughout the USA. Miami in January, San Diego in March, Minneapolis in July and New York City in October. The conference offers learning, tips and tools needed to increase your sales, networking, food and refreshments, prize drawing and lots of fun for all seller levels. Head on over to www.e-comevents.com and register today with promo code AMAZINGFBA to save $50 off your ticket cost. I'm a guy, even if I don't have capacity, I say that I do. (laughs) That's just my DNA, right? So it's being honest with yourself. Like, is it going to be eight hours to 10 hours a day? No, you make a, you, you decide your schedule. You decide when those calls are going to work for you. You're in control of your deal. So if you're running your job, your, your day-to-day eight to five, and by the way, I would argue you're still not a COO in that example. You might be an operations supervisor if you're running all of those things. <laughs> Very good <laughs> a, point. Yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah, that's that's be even more brutal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but in my experience, like I helped a guy in a business grow to over 50 million. And, and I saw a lot of these pieces. I saw, you know, we were on traction in EOS and how to elevate and how to delegate and how to work on your business and not in. So when we started this business six years ago, it was all about how do we how do we create more capacity to create bigger value? And so, so let's just say eight to five, let's say you're doing, you know, a million dollars a year and you're still your you're everything and you haven't outsourced anything. Well, guess what? That means from four to six, maybe you're going to pick up two hours a day, or maybe it's at the end of your bed from eight to nine o'clock, you're going to, you're going to explore. And and you can have those phone calls, even if it's a side hustle, right? These guys, these guys are willing to do whatever it takes, which means you can get them on a call, whatever works for you. They want your business. And if they want your business, they're going to find a way to make it work, to have time to discuss the opportunity. Right. So yeah. You know, it comes down to is your health good, you know, your motivation for selling, why you want to sell, you know, are you too sick to even have conversations, right? These are these are these are indications that maybe it's not even the right time to sell anyway. So you need to have a reality check on your capacity. And I think that, that can't be emphasized enough. Yeah, it's an interesting point though. I guess that it, 
again, it, this is a bit of a different, I mean, I, I want to keep exploring this because I think this might be the biggest barrier to people doing what you've done, actually, is time and energy. It's not necessarily capability because we've all, a lot of us have come into this space from, from doing completely different day jobs and, you know, corporate work or whatever it is. And we've developed one heck of a lot of different skills in a short time because we had to. So I guess if this is another one, there's no particular intrinsic reason. For some people, it won't make sense because of their personality, but for a lot, it will. So I think the big barrier is the time and energy. So let's talk more about then if this is something you feel you can talk to, but it sounds like from your experience, you can, it's not so much about selling your business, it's being in a position where you can run the process of selling it yourself because it's really high leverage use of your time. So how do we go from being that person that's running everything to being the person with a team? You mentioned traction, which I know, and there's a book that comes out quite often with great praise attached amongst my Amazon sellers I know. So tell me about how you, you develop that process a bit. Well, at the end of the day, like that process is about working on your business ultimately, but getting getting the team. So, so this is the difference, right? Solopreneur versus someone who's built a team. Traction was intended for small teams. It's the entrepreneurial operating system. So Traction is a book that talks about how to get traction, but they re- reference a model called EOS, the entrepreneur operating system. And that works when you have a core team in place. In fact, that you couldn't be two employees to do it either. You need to have what you call a leadership team and maybe even some departments. And the reason for that is because to get everyone rowing in the right direction, you need to have a common mission and a vision and set of targets and have the whole team aligned with where you're going. It's easy to do that in a way on your own, but at the same time, it's very difficult because you're doing a thousand things. So I think the easiest thing to do is start with the things you're doing every day that are low value activity that are high use of your time. For example, customer service emails, right? Well, guess what? I could I could point you in the direction of a VA at six to $12 an hour in the Philippines that would gladly do that, provide extra income for them and take that off your plate. You're going to invest a little in time in building processes, but like these are classic things, right? Building better tools and systems like inventory planning is, is a lot of people's nightmare. I built a really sick Google Doc. And literally, I pulled down inventory that we have in our building, sales demand that's happening on Amazon and other channels, inventory that exists at FBA, and and start to thinking about what are the lead times from the manufacturers? How much inventory do I need to have in my building? How much inventory do I need to have at Amazon? And this Google Doc, once a week, spits out all the work that we would need to do to cut a PO, to send inventory to FBA. And some people, they can't get their head around that. Like, oh gosh, I... I'm running low on cash. Well, that's that's a separate issue. But I don't know how much to order. I don't know how much to forecast, right? So finding tools, finding services. And guess what? If you can't, if you can't replace, let's just say $12 an hour at 10 hours a week, 120 bucks a week times four, if you can't make up $500 a week or a month in value yourself, like you shouldn't be an entrepreneur type of thing, right? So outsource the low value, high activity cost to someone else. And these are foundational things, but even if you're, even if you're a solopreneur or, or a small team, read the book traction and and look into EOS because it starts to get your head oriented around what am I really building? Where do I really have the structure in place to move the needle and create value? So it's a long-winded answer to say you have to start small, but ultimately you can't, you can't move those big boulders until you get the pebbles taken care of, you know? So yeah. Absolutely. And I like I like the way of putting it as well, because people talk about, you know, was it rocks, pebbles and sand don't they, in terms of filling your yeah. time? But actually, yeah. you kind of have to start with the small fiddly stuff to make time for the big stuff, I guess is what you're saying. And, I, and my experience, 
110% true. By the way, transaction, I should say, is, is uh, Gino Wickman, right? And, and EOS is Entrepreneurial Operating System. If I think I'm not an affiliate for him or anything, I should, probably should be. But it's something that a lot of people reference with, you know, having credited it for a lot of a turnaround. By the way, your reality check is really important. If you can't replace $500 a week in value, it means your business is not... <laughs> not working and a lot of people have you know million dollar a year business it's quite common that they have like a handful of percent net or sde or you know net pre-tax profit whatever it is the number at the bottom which means you can actually pay for more overhead and actually 500 dollars a week times 50 you know so we're looking enough money that some businesses literally could not afford that because their profit margin so low so i guess that's one reality right there are creative ways around that. So for example, mm. my, my story, I love this story because it's it's very personal to me and, and my family, but also like it exploded our business. So I have a brother who at the time we went to the Prosper show, you know, in Las Vegas. And he's like, I want to go check out this Amazon thing. And by the way, we get to go to Vegas. So that'll be fun. Right. And he's like, man, this is fascinating. There's a thousand people here learning about Amazon. Like, who are these people? Right. So he's like, just blown away. He's like, tell me how to you know, tell me how to find products. Like he was really interested in that. So we left that conference with, with a whole bunch of ideas and criteria for him to go back and start looking for product. And I said, here you go, brother, whatever product you find, you know, I'll pay you X dollars in, in commission, you know, based on the profit that it produces. Right. And by the way, it's going to be, you know, a little bit of a longer burn. It's going to take some time to, to start ranking and making money, but he's like, I'm committed. So his first three products or two products, I would say, in, in four months time would, would probably get us to the point of, you know, replacing his income. If he really went full time, I had this aha moment at that same conference that I needed to stop doing that because I was only launching, you know, probably five to 10 products a quarter, you know, and I'm like, I need to really double down on product development. I brought my brother on, he proved it for free. We paid him only a commission on the upside he took a risk. He moved here, and and I said, "Here, we're gonna go, we're gonna double down on what's working. We know how to develop new products, and that's all he did. And we went from, you know, maybe fifty products to over two hundred products in three years. And that was him solely concentrated on that effort. I needed a grinder. I needed a guy who could do something better than me, right? Faster than me, more than more efficient than me, because I was trying to do too many things. And so, you know, not only do I get to work with my brother, who I love, he's seven years younger than me. We've become best buds because when you're seven years younger, you know, when you're kids, you don't really, really hang out, but it's just been amazing to see. And it, it was a low risk opportunity that turned into a decent risk for him to pack his bags and move here, but we aligned our vision and we killed it. And so he helped, you know, and he participated in that exit when, when we sold in March. So it's pretty, pretty fun, cool story. Wow. That is very cool. It's sort of a classic combination of family win and sort of outsourcing, or that's not the right word at all. Outsourcing the word delegation is, is the right word. Yeah. So I guess that, it, yeah, it's, it's common to think of delegation means somebody in the Philippines on $4 an hour. And you've referenced right. that, that that often is the case. And I've got somebody who'll be editing this very uh, podcast. So hi, Vaughn, if you're listening. <laughs> so um, yeah, and those guys are worth their weight in gold in my experience. But uh, yeah, what you're talking about is a high level delegation of a really core critical task, but you're not paying somebody up front and hoping it works you're paying them not just on a notice you weren't paying on a percentage of revenue you're paying them based on the profit it generates which i think is a critical distinction how did you even kind of set that system up because that's not an easy thing to do well i I was thinking back in my in the old days like you realize that this world at retail like brick and mortar retail was built on sales reps right reps so manufacturers have a great product 
but they don't have the time and effort to invest in getting their product necessarily in Target or Walmart, right? And so these reps are paid between three and 5%. No base, no retainer, just you get paid when it works, right? And, and that wouldn't work necessarily on the revenue side because when you launch a product, you're just not profitable. I would say back then we actually could launch products profitably, but now it's it's so much different. And so I kind of took, you know, the combination of this, you know, work for free, but you have all the upside in the world to make sure we covered our expenses. And I think we came up with like 20% of the profit. You know, we own the brand, we own the product, but we knew we were paying for advertising. We were investing in inventory. Like we needed to keep that cash in the business, but 20% of the profit, you know, became a $1,500, $2,000 a month side hustle for him. And it was great because it was cash he never had before. And it gave him confidence that he could really take this thing to the next level. And so therefore, you know, he came on board with an actual salary. And so that was us now being lopsided because he wasn't paying for his salary yet, but now we invested in him. So he invested in us in the beginning and we invested in him and together we built something great. You know, yeah, I like it's not it. always that easy. No, of course. I mean, it's your brother, so there's a certain loyalty, but there can be downsides to family business as well. I mean, I'm, I've worked with, I'm, I think, three businesses now, or no, four, actually, in the mastermind in London. Some have been around for quite a while, and they have very complex family ownership structures, and especially if it's inherited mm. from previous generations, that could actually be right. quite a major downside, right? You did it the other way around. In other words, you, your brother had to kind of prove his value to the business, but was paid you know, reasonably so for that. And then once he's proven his value to the business, he then got the the solid salary. What strikes me with a lot of family structures that are inherited, that the structure is there's a bunch of people who got one, two, three, five percent of your business who had no value at all and want profits, which is like the opposite to what you want, right? That's less common, but it is not un, unknown out there, actually. So, okay, well, this is amazing stuff. I mean, I love what you you did with the relationship with your brother. Obviously, not everyone's got a brother who's kind of gets it and is hungry to do this thing. So for somebody who's, you know, more of a solopreneur, maybe they've got a couple of people in the Philippines doing some part-time work or something. How do they sort of get themselves on on track to be out of the business enough to get those maybe two hours a day to become effectively their own broker and sell their own business? How, how do they go from that place to this place? Yeah, I mean, I even look back in the very beginning when I, when I helped build this business. So I would say in 2010, I left a corporate job to a small 10 person company. You know, I was employee 10. We're doing 3 million in revenue. And, and at that time, you know, we weren't on Amazon, we weren't on eBay, you know, we were pretty much on, on a shopping cart and the whole business was, was D to C, but also had some B to B. So I came on board to do B to B, but I'm like, guys, why aren't we doing Amazon? Why aren't we doing eBay? Why aren't we doing, you know, Google shopping ads? Why aren't we doing comparison shopping engines? Right. So I'm like, adding things to my plate, but I didn't care. Guess what? When we got our first orders, five, 10, 20 orders a day on eBay, this, I was manually entering those orders into the system. Like, like the integrations didn't even exist back then. Right. So talk to me about like being there and doing that. It it led to first, I'm going to invest my time on this idea that this is going to work. When it works, I'm going to learn the process, fine tune the process. And then I'm going to build a plan to say, listen, here's the math to, to enter this order versus me finding the next opportunity, right? Like, why would you not invest in that customer service person now to enter that order so I can take 10 hours off my plate a week, right? And, and that's, that's, I've done that since, since I can remember. And, and I think that's a small, simple example where, 
you have to make the math work. And so there's this fine line between sweat equity, putting the time in to figuring out there is, here's what some people try to do. I'm going to outsource everything like, great, but they outsource two tasks here and one task there, you know, and there's never uh, a scenario where you're efficient because they're doing 27 different things. So one thing has to be repeated, right? And so that's what you're looking for is the same thing that you have to do over and over. And that's the that's the list. Write down your day, audit your day, talk about where you spend your time. And if if you can bucketize those things as operations, maybe you actually invest in a on on hand, on staff operations person, right? Because you can quantify the amount of time and the amount of hours you're spending, right? Looking to increase your online sales? Join Ecom Events at one of their four events throughout the USA. Miami in January, San Diego in March, Minneapolis in July, and New York City in October. The conference offers learning, tips, and tools needed to increase your sales, networking, food and refreshments, prize drawing, and lots of fun for all seller levels. Head on over to www.e-comevents.com and register today with promo code AMAZINGFBA to save $50 off your ticket cost. So to put that into a per hour wage that you can hire and maybe that's it. And then, and then you say, whatever comes in operationally as yours, but you hire the right person who says, I got it. I can figure this out. Right. And, and it's, it's not a perfect science, but like, that's the practical approach. I like it a lot. Yeah. And that's very, really good. So you got the, I can, I can hear in your voice and the whole approach, your passion for entrepreneurship and building stuff but also you've got the the mouse to step away from physically being the technician in in another classic book to references obviously the e-myth revisited right that's uh much less granular than the eos kind of approach but i still like it's good for mentality shifting i think so the technician doing stuff yourself all day and and moving into the managerial role i you do this okay now boss how do i do this that's a good question now you've got you still got annoying things to deal with they're just different annoying in my experience i think some yeah. people aren't willing to do that are they? they they just want to do stuff themselves they're not willing to delegate any thoughts for people who find themselves in that position so i know a few of those yeah no that, that's hard like my dad i grew up with a father like entrepreneurship wasn't sexy to me in fact i didn't even connect it like my dad worked for someone else till he got fired because his side hustle grew you know, and his side hustle was was great. It became his full-time job. But guess what? You know, to this day, it's still a full-time job. And 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 that means he is the business. Everything that happens is him. And and so that's one example. But the the trade-off was he didn't make a ton of money, but he was home every single day. And that was important to him. And he loved to be hands-on. In fact, he was a technician because he worked on copy machines. So that's a real-life technician example. My grandfather, on the other hand, made so much money but he worked like a dog, right? And he was, he was in the trucking industry and had over a hundred trucks at one point. And the guy just turned 80 and he's still driving truck, right? And I'm like, I don't understand, like, how is this sexy in either scenario? And I'm like, there's gotta be a better way. So going into it, I learned on accident, man. Like you're familiar with Amway, right? Amway <laughs> is a business model, multi-level marketing. The whole principle is passive income. And so I had this mindset by trying to be an Amway and failing that, Whatever I did, whatever I was going to be an entrepreneur a newer in, it was going to be solving problems, but it had to create work that I didn't have to do over and over and over and over again, that there'd be systems or processes that would do that work for me, right? And so, you know, that's the mindset you have to bring yourself around is what is the idea I'm going to go to? I'm going to be scrappy to figure it out, but there's got to be a point in time where I can hand it off. And that's super important. The very, very, very first product we launched 
was I found the bottles. I, I bought the label. I created this label, the design. I had actually someone design it. I don't even remember a friend of mine designed the label. I bought the labels online. I put the labels on the bottle. And then I went, you know, I took this big gallon jug of, of uh, some chemical, went to Home Depot, got a contraption to fill the bottles. And so that was my first product, 70 product, uh, 70 items. It was a coffee descaling solution. I built myself, sent them to Amazon. I sold the first 70. I'm going, I can't do that again. But I did. I did it one more time. So the next time around, I bought two gallons. And then the third time we had to buy five gallons. I said, I need to find someone to do this, right? Because now it was going to be uh, a job, you know? And so I tested it. I tested it on myself. I knew the process. And then I handed it off to someone that I could trust, right? And, and then I could do the next thing that would create the next product or the next idea that I could go build and run with. So I like that. that's a practical yeah, it is. I mean, what strikes me about you and, and quite a few um, successful entrepreneurs that I know is that they are both more hands-on and more hands-off. They're not stuck in that middle ground. For example, you outsource Dude, your manufacturing to wherever, you know, a factory down the road from you in America or all the way across the, the, the world in China. You do that and then that's kind of where it stays. You're still handling the customer service. You're still in with all the, the things that go wrong and, and late shipments and what have you, which is really difficult and needs somebody skilled, but it's not un, unlearnable. <laughs> I mean, it's an incredible, it's commoditized now, right? There are millions and millions of third-party sellers. But what you did is you were very, very hands-on with the product. So you knew exactly if you do that. And I've done that with a couple of products, but very few. But when I did, you know exactly what the problems are. You know exactly where the weakness are. You know, if somebody phones up to complain about the packaging, you know, oh yeah, I spotted that thing. I know exactly what you're referring to. And therefore, you can delegate it with great precision and really monitor what people are doing. But on the other hand, okay. you've stepped away by the third order. This is kind of simple stuff, but I really like it because few people do it. So I, I really like that. That's a nice, clean example. But on example. the other side, too, you know, on the other side, I had a former CEO and it was wild. Like, there was once upon a time, like, you remember what it means to be hands-on, to be a technician, right? But, but to your point, some people never graduated from that. But then there's the other side of the story. There's the guy that graduated from that. And they never, they never learn how to flex down again. So, so for example, hands-on entrepreneur, technician, building something, having fun, getting hands dirty to leading a large organization. Very few people can do that. And you look at the Zuckerbergs of the world, the Bezos of the world. He was hands-on in the beginning, but continued to elevate. And that's the key, elevate. And, and you got to remember, being 30,000 foot to see a vision and see the whole world at a high level, but then to be able to go down to, to identify the problem at a very small micro level is, is a very unique skill set of an entrepreneur to be able to flex. But you need to know where your sandbox is. Like for me, that is my sandbox. I'm the guy who's never going to be the, the only the guy that thinks pie in the sky. I'm the guy who says, here's an idea, but I have to work on it myself. And then, then I delegate it, right? So there's a lot of ways to win the race, but you know, you got to figure out and dial it in where your strengths are. And that's, that's why I get so passionate about this. Like helping others sell their business and, and achieve life, life-changing money is a process that's much simpler if it's explained. And if you have a guy in your corner. So I literally come alongside brands that want to sell. And it's like, oh yeah, this is an experience that I saw. Here's what I would do in that situation. Like, and, and people don't have to pay me for that because the buyer actually pays me to be their advocate, to be the seller's advocate. So I found this gap in the market. And like, that's, again, I'm, I have this vision for building out this, this, this group of helping others sell brands, but also I'm the guy having the first level of calls. I can't do that forever because 
eventually my time will be just calls after calls after calls. So, you know, I'm learning right now and how to reinvent that whole new process. And it's an ongoing thing. I mean, I'm 37. I could, I could retire, but I would be, I would be nuts. Like I would, I tried that for a couple of months. My wife said, you're a lost puppy. You needed to be doing something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, That's oh, the but, thing. Tim Ferry said something like in the four hour work week, which I know has got a bad press, but I think it had a lot of business wisdom compressed into one place yeah, as well as sure. a certain degree of BS, like any marketing business. He said something like, if you are capable enough of working well enough to be able to retire, you're going to be so bored if you do retire that you're going to be sticking bicycle spokes into your eyes after the first week, which is a rather more brutal image than the lost puppy, which is very just gentle and soft. But <laughs> same thing, right? I mean, if somebody's capable of building a business, I don't think they should retire because they love the game. Otherwise, they're not going to be good yeah. enough to build it. And you clearly love the game. You're, you're passionate about this great great insights i really like this stuff and thank you for being willing to go down what i think is incredibly valuable avenue which is you know actually getting yourself out of the day-to-day so you can actually implement the stuff you hear some guy on a podcast saying rather than thinking well that sounds nice now i need to answer my customer service emails so that's really practical i appreciate that a lot so i know you've got your book aggregator navigator that's coming out and also you i know you, you advise people as you say you can be in people's corners so how do people find out about those things if they want the book and or even to book a, a call to have a chat to you about how they could do this for themselves yeah super simple two in one kill two birds with one stone brandedseller.com forward slash landing you have a free chance to talk with me 30 minutes and here's the deal like if there's a lot more to talk about we're going to keep going right and i just want to help number two is my book is my book is free to start. I'm launching this. I'm a, I'm a new author, and I'm I'm very pumped to, to just be able to help people and bring the knowledge and the insight in this super simple, easy to read, 65 page book. And and so I'm offering that for free just because I want to be able to give back. And I have a lot of money because I, I actually hired a ghostwriter. You couldn't see me sitting behind a computer like hashing over this next sentence. Like no, I want to. As you can tell, when I'm talking, like I'm just rolling with this stuff. And you know, I have a great partner in this that's helping me write it. But but all that to say, I'm giving it away for free, brandonseller.com forward slash landing. And uh, you can book a time with me and get access to the book when it comes out. I'm hoping. Amazing. So that's January that we need to look out for it. And uh, is that going to be available on Amazon as well? Or, or how are you going to be distributing that? Yeah. Like like another problem I have, like, oh, uh, <laughs> go hire a publisher, let them do this. I'm like, no, nah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it myself. I'm going to self-publish it. I'm going to go Amazon. I'm going to do hard copy paperback and an ebook. And I might even, I don't know if I can get over the sound of my own voice, but <laughs> maybe I will do an auto audible audio book. We'll see. Well, what it's worth, I think you have a huge amount of energy in the way you deliver it. So I definitely would go for it if you if you did an audible recording. A lot of people outsource that. I think when the business books, personally, I want to hear the personality of the author. There you go. Just my personal <laughs> preference. Uh, don't 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 take too much publishing advice from me. I'm not a, a multi-million best-selling author here. But anyway, so uh, apart from my dodgy uh, publishing advice, I think we've had a lot of really really great advice today from Josh Dietrich, the Dietrich, I should say, the creator of the book Aggregator Navigator, coming out in January. Brandedseller.com forward slash landing. If you want to get Josh's book, I've just literally signed up for it because I'm excited to read that now and and to get a talk to the man himself. Josh, any final things that I should have asked you? What questions did I not ask you that I should have asked you? You know, I, I just encourage people that it's also important to really gauge. Obviously, there's a lot of excitement around the aggregator space right now in, in selling. You still need to have a business that's desirable, right? And, and that includes being highly, highly efficient and outsourced, automated, right? And, and knowing the right time to sell, knowing your motivation to sell, doing the math up front so you're not surprised, 
building out a plan and getting your books in order, making sure you're doing accrual accounting as opposed to cash-based accounting, um, spending time with a CPA to make sure that you're not just coding sales as the deposits that Amazon sends you as opposed to what are the sales and in, in, in the payments reports minus the expenses and fees and all these things. You're doing it right. Because here's the deal. When any buyer sees some of these gaps, they're going to take advantage of it. And, and I don't say that, I don't say that as like a secret, like, you know, I'm going to get this guy. It's, it's my, your margin is my opportunity, right? And so if the margin in the business doesn't look healthy in the books, that's the value. Well, and the reality is the business might be better if you were doing accrual accounting as opposed to cash-based, that there's a lot of profit there that that buyer might see. So it's really important to nail that down, have a clean accounting process with your bookkeeper, get your CPA involved and spend the money. And so I think that's a classic thing to say, but at the same time, like I can't emphasize that enough and happy to share more if, if anyone wants to spend some time talking about it. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. I mean, this is an absolutely common thread that nobody I've ever talked to about selling businesses and, and a lot or buying. And we've had a lot of interviews now with aggregators and brokers. Everyone bar none says that about the books. So I guess it must be true. So if you're listening and uh, you haven't got the books in order yet, go and sort that out, folks, and then come back to Josh for some fine tuning, I would suggest. But we better wrap it up there. Josh, a real pleasure to talk to you. I love the energy and passion you have for this. I mean, as you say, you could retire. In fact, you tried that out for a couple of months. So clearly, it's not just about paying the, the rent or the mortgage for you at this point. It's it's going to be about something bigger, which is great. So I think that's one of the greatest gifts that we can get in life is an opportunity to do something we we care about. And you're obviously a man on a mission. So it's been, you know, I, I love the energy. I, I can feel it here. So it's been great to talk to you. Really appreciate it. And thank you so much for coming on the 10K Collective Podcast. That was fun. I had a ton of fun and thanks for, thanks for having me. Pleasure. Thanks for listening to the 10K Collective podcast for six and seven figure Amazon sellers. I really hope you found the show helpful to you. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please do leave us a quick star rating. It will take you all of 30 seconds to do it, but it does mean we can be found by and help many more e-commerce business builders. I wish you fast and profitable scaling, and I hope you enjoy the process of building your seven-figure Amazon business. Thanks very much for listening.